0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm Paula Thomas, the founder and CEO of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today's episode is hosted by Charlie Hills, Managing Director of Mando Connect, a UK-based agency that uses smart data to create brilliant partnerships and rewards that really work. If you work in loyalty marketing, make sure to join Let's Talk Loyalty every Tuesday, every Wednesday and every Thursday to learn the latest ideas from loyalty experts around the world. Just before we share today's episode, I want to ask you to sign up to the Let's Talk Loyalty email newsletter. Our email newsletter is by far the best way for us to keep you up to date with all of the latest incredible loyalty stories we're sharing each week. It's also the easiest place for you to find our show notes with links to everything mentioned in all of the episodes. You can sign up at letstalkloyalty.com. Hello, and welcome
1: to Let's Talk Loyalty. I'm Charlie Hills, the Chief Strategy Officer for Mando Connect, WPP's Loyalty Specialist Partnerships and Rewards Agency. We have created a white paper in partnership with YouGov that explores loyalty membership, appeal and impact across 24 European markets. And I'm delighted to be hosting a series of podcasts featuring European loyalty experts to help listeners better understand loyalty across Europe. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Elliot Warman, the Digital Product Manager at Oracle Red Bull Racing. He heads up Oracle Red Bull Racing's digital loyalty program called The Paddock. Having worked in digital financial services for five years with HSBC, he made the switch to work in Formula One last June. He's really passionate about building a sense of community amongst the team's fans, particularly those that don't have the chance to attend the races in person. He's worked on various different marketing campaigns for the loyalty program since then, including the team's biggest fan campaign in 2023, which was called Make Your Mark. It gave the chance for its loyalty members to design the car livery for the United States Grand Prix this year and win a trip to the races. Today, we'll be learning about Elliot's favorite loyalty programs, what loyalty looks like in Formula One, and of course, all about Oracle Red Bull Racing's digital loyalty program, The Paddock. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. and welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. It's brilliant to have you on today, Elliot. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. It's uh, great to be here. Oh,
1: fantastic. And look, we'll just get straight into it. Let's get started with Paula's favourite question. What is your favourite loyalty programme and why?
2: So I think um, I'm going to come with two answers to this um, because the first one's a little bit of a boring one. Um, I think my favourite one would be Tesco Club Card and that's because I live within about 50 meters away from a tesco's so i'm pretty much using it every day um i can't really get like help to get drawn into the uh, the savings and the prices and yeah saving a few quid each shop kind of really helps day to day um and then secondly i'm not even sure if it classifies as a loyalty program but um annex platinum cashback um being a rewards program i love how like year in year out kind of tells you how much you're saving how much cashback you're getting I think um yeah those are probably my two they're both financially motivated which is probably interesting in telling about my uh my background potentially in banking as well but um yeah th- those are my two go-tos
1: two savvy, very savvy choices there and two programs that would be thrilled, I think, to be recognized for the value that they bring. I mean, member pricing is one of the biggest trends that, you know, we've talked about for a while that's come into the British market. And it's it's making such huge changes to membership, you know, to have 90% of Brits now a member of at least one program. And, you know, it's, yep. we think in large part driven by member pricing. And then Amex, you know, one of the flagship programs. And interesting as well that you're pulling out the kind of cashback side of that versus some of the other benefits that they offer so yeah i don't think yeah. you're alone in those two choices particularly in a cost of living crisis though i'm certain it's because you're hsbc and you were in banking so you know how
2: to spot a good deal it's, it is probably that yeah i mean I, I actually rarely look at amex and tesco's for the kind of the other offerings it's it's literally the uh the cash back aspects and
1: are you saving up spending a um christmas <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably yeah. It, it helps a little bit a little goes a long way i guess and yeah lots yeah. of presents to buy this year
1: Brilliant! And how did you go from you know banking and that into Red Bull Racing? I'm sure our listeners would absolutely love to hear more about the brilliant world of Formula One and you know what's it like to work there and and you know how did you get into that role?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, see, I guess I um, grew up always kind of wanting to work at a bank, um, which is a little bit of a weird aspiration to have as a kid. But um, I loved maths, loved economics, um, so I studied economics at university. And at uni, everyone would always talk about, I guess, like what investment bank are you going to work for? So that was always the the path I was probably going to follow. Um, so I left university, um, started at a grad scheme at HSBC. So I was there for probably the majority of my working career. So I spent five years there, all in digital banking. Um, so I was rotating around like digital optimization, uh, risk management, digital product management. But after about, I think, yeah, five years there, it was an amazing experience and I loved all the teams I worked in, but I really wanted a change. Um, I think I kind of hit a little bit of a ceiling there and I saw a job for Rebel Racing um, within their Web3 and NFT team and that was last year. Um, so I applied for that. I really played on the angle that coming from financial services, I'd know a lot about cryptocurrency, which is a little bit of a, a white lie. I'd done a lot of research <laughs> into it for the interview, but... Um, I managed to, uh, to do pretty well in the interview, so I came into the team um, within Web3 and NFTs last year. Um, so I did that for about six to eight months. And then at the end of last year, um, I then transitioned into managing our loyalty program, which is called The Paddock. Um, so I've been doing that and product managing that program for about, yeah, about a year now. Um, and it's been an amazing experience, to be honest, having come from banking into Formula One, it's a bit of a switch up. Um, and yeah formula one as an industry is it is an incredibly fast place to work and that sounds like a really bad pun but it is true um the team tends to work race by race as a result um some weeks you might have like two weeks to deliver a project that needs to be completed by a certain grand prix um yeah it's really really lean our marketing team is really small in the grand scheme of things but you get a lot of responsibility um everyone's working at a really high high pace um, and there's a lot of freedom and if you have an idea you get you get the chance to deliver it so yeah i'm pretty happy with uh with the switch up and yeah, loving it here at rebel racing
1: yeah it seems like a silly question to ask really what is it that you enjoy about working in formula one <laughs> like it's crazy is it a personal passion as well as a professional passion
2: um i always kind of watched it but i think ever since working in formula one i've, I've, I've obviously started watching it more and more um i think growing up sports was just one of my passions so um, watching football watching f1 with my parents that kind of thing so i think now working within sports i wouldn't really want to want to leave the industry because it is something i, I just love um, in my personal life and getting the opportunity to work within that it sounds like a little bit of cliche but it is a little bit of a dream come true
1: It must be, I think. I mean, it's insane. I think when you work in those really passion-led industries, it's so exciting, Mm -hmm. isn't it? And then when you can bring that out to the fans, because that's one of the things I know that's really important to you, isn't it? It's about taking that excitement of Formula One and everything you can do with Oracle Red Bull Racing, but taking it out to the fans that actually can't get to the races themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the best things about working in loyalty for Red Bull? You know, what matters to you?
2: Um. I'll probably call out two main things. So firstly, as you said, fans. Um, we have tens of millions of fans, and they are already so, so, so committed to the team. So I love the the challenge of trying to convert those fans into loyalty members um, who become even more engaged with the team and build a, a further, deeper connection with us. Um, secondly, it's still relatively new for Oracle Rebel Racing um, in terms of having a loyalty program. So that means every day is a new challenge for how we can grow, how we engage our members, how we retain existing members. So so no two days are really the same. So it's always exciting, always something new to talk about, new challenges, new problems, and that keeps everything completely fresh. Um, so yeah, it's been a, a fun, tricky, um, a steep learning curve this year, but uh, majoritively just a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: And I think as a loyalty nerd, I think the whole kind of growth of fan engagement and loyalty programs has been such an interesting thing to observe. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things I guess I'm famous for is loving looking at learnings from one sector or one market and then applying them to another. And it's also yeah to see you know sure. mechanics and loyalty programs from retail and qsr and travel mm-hmm. then suddenly inspiring this new type of like fan and sport engagement i think that's one of my um my favorite things about the paddock i mean we all saw the paddock win all its golds at the international loyalty awards which was very cool for kind of yep. those that that watch these things closely. But a lot of our listeners might not know much about the program. Would you mind giving us the kind of program 101? You know, What is the program? How does it work? And and what do members get?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, So, I can't take all the credit for the setup and launch for it because um, I wasn't actually here back in 2021 when the Paddock, which is the loyalty program, launched. Um, So, I'll I'll, I'll give the credit for the, the team for that. But in essence, the paddocks aim is to bring fans a lot closer to the team by rewarding them for activities that they already actually complete as a fan. So that's things like reading articles, watching content, um, predicting how Max and Chekhov are going to do during the Grand Prix. By doing those activities, they they earn points and those points can then be redeemed for different things like merchandise, uh, prize draws, some pretty unforgettable unforgettable experiences. Um So it's really kind of trying to gamify the fan experience. Um, But from our perspective, the the loyalty program allows us to create much more personalized digital experiences, not just across the paddock as well, but also in our email communications, that kind of thing. So there's a bit of a benefit for us as well, because we learn more about our fans, their their kind of age, where they're based, um, and that helps us build kind of like fan profiles out as well.
1: That's very cool. I think that lovely um the way you can they can go through the levels as well, can't they? So they can yep. kind of there's a not a base level fan, cuz obviously every fan matters. But how do the tiers work?
2: Yeah, I mean, we have four tiers. Um and as you earn the uh, points, you kind of progress through those. As you get to the the kind of higher tiers, we we try and give them better rewards, better experiences, better access to the team. Um so it really encourages people to kind of engage to progress through them. Um so yeah, it really tries to, to kind of encourage that engagement, but it takes about, I think if you were incredibly engaged, it will take over a year to kind of progress to the top tier. So it's not an easy feat, um, but we see the people who do do that. They are the ones who are really, really keen, really involved. Um, they're kind of the hardcore fans
1: that's cool. I think you know that that rewarding for real effort is another big trend that we're really seeing in loyalty programs for a long time. Lots of programs thought they had to make it as easy as possible and as seamless as possible and that's still really important. But then actually recognizing when someone's really put the effort in to do anything to get into that top tier is quite cool and a year's not a long time in loyalty. I know a year's a long time in <laughs> Formula a 1. Time, yeah, yeah one I season. bet it does when you're going from like race to race to race to race to race. But um yeah. for the rest of us, you know, for some industries that's one touch point a year with the customer so it's fantastic (laughs) that they can get there in in only a year's time i I really feel like you've sort of started a whole sector of you know fan engagement programs and there's lots of programs that are following um, where the paddock has gone but you know what sets your program apart from the rest from the from these other programs that have set out since since you and the team did
2: um it's a good question i think internally we're a really small team um So there's not too many of us actually working on, let's say the paddock alone, but everyone in the business is fully committed to delivering the results for it. So everyone chips in. Um, If you need to run a campaign or if you need to to run anything within the paddock, you know you can lean on our social team, for example, our comms team, um, our fan engagement team as well. Everyone um, within the team is, is really committed to help driving it. So whilst we are small, we work really hard and, and deliver a lot, to be honest, for, for, for how small we are. Um, I think as well, no other loyalty program gets fans as close to, to their team as our one does. Um, even across wider sports and other teams that I've spoken to, not just in Formula One, I think that is that is true. So we run so many different campaigns, experiences that, that fans can get involved with, whether that's from designing our car, to meeting Christy and Horner, to attending meet and greets with with Max and Checo at different Grand Prix, attending uh, our car reveal club night in, in Las Vegas, the breadth and experiences of what what fans can actually earn and, re- and and redeem is is truly unmatched, I think.
1: Yeah, and there's loads of detail on that online, everyone listening. So check it out, because it's insane. I mean, that <laughs> brings us on to some of the um the ideas and innovations that you're particularly proud of. I know we were going to talk a little bit about yeah. make your mark. I mean, it's yes. extraordinary that you let people do this and then actually executed it. You know, tell our listeners about that. That's a crazy and brilliant, exciting thing.
2: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty amazing project to uh, to be working on and be a part of. But um, at the the start of this year, um, we kicked off the the season launch with the Make Your Mark campaign. So that was giving our fans the chance to design our car for the three United States Grand Prix this year. So for Miami, for Austin, and for Las Vegas. And not only that. Each winner would get flights and accommodation to the race of the team with them and a plus one. So they wouldn't be alone and, and kind of paired by themselves, but they also got money can't buy access to the race as well. So they were brought into the paddock for a garage tour with our um, operations team uh, during those tours, obviously because they'd designed the car, they were getting interviews by F1 Media, by, by Sky Sports, all these different kind of media outlets. Um, and it was amazing to see, to see their experiences. Um, so what I was really proud of with that campaign, which we ran through the loyalty program, The Paddock, was how everyone in the business needed to work on it to actually deliver it itself. I mean, even though it sounds potentially quite easy, like get a fan to design a, a Formula One car, it it really wasn't. Like, um, We started the year, our software engineer was developing the technology for fans to submit their designs. So that was actually a fan would download a template. They'd submit their design and see it on a 3D model of the car um, rotating around so they could see what it would actually look like in in person. Our brand team was creating assets to push this this whole campaign on our social media, promoting it, designing the car itself, that kind of thing. Our partnerships team was working with Oracle, our, our title partner, to let's say throw reveal events and to build the technology for the competitions. Our comms team were organizing the car reveals at the track um and not only that it was not just marketing um we obviously had to work with the paint shop team who actually design and and paint the cars to bring these fan designs to life and actually put it from a pdf template onto a car itself so it was an amazing success Um, we had three fan design car liveries that had never really been done before in formula one we had three crazy reveal events in Vegas nightclub casinos at the Oracle HQ, flying a car in with a helicopter. All these incredible, crazy things that, that only we would really do as a team. Um, that was really successful because everyone had really chipped in and, and made that, made it happen.
1: And how on earth did you tell the people that they'd won? How did those calls go? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I think for the first call, which was Miami, I was more nervous <laughs> Than the girl i'd spoken to i i had no idea how i was going to break the news um so i'm pretty sure i was shaking as i started talking to her but um I, that was a that was probably a highlight of mine um getting to tell each winner that they'd won i had to um drop them an email pretend like i just wanted to chat to them about their entry even though it's probably quite obvious and i think by the the time i'd spoken to the vegas winner mm-hmm they knew that it was a little bit of a ruse um and <laughs> her partner was saying like oh he knew that, that i was going to say that she'd won it but um yeah getting to see their reactions like screaming on camera the the guy for austin his dog was in the, the background of the call and uh he he got up and like shouted and screamed and his dog kind of turned around and looked more shocked than he was um so, yeah that was a pretty amazing Aww. part of the year
1: that's really cool. I think those moments as well where you can well, change somebody's life in all honesty and create such a rich emotional connection between them and a brand they already love. I mean, nobody grows up thinking they're going to get to design a Formula One car. How no. bad. And then you and made I mean, that real.
2: For sure. I think um, when we were out in Miami, the so two of the winners were actually from Argentina, um, from Rosario, which oh, okay. was, yeah, there's a little bit of a coincidence, but I think once everyone in Argentina had seen... The first winner, they all started I guess applying and signing up and, and submitting designs. so yeah perhaps it wasn't too much of a surprise but um yeah, whilst we were out in Miami she was getting phone calls, job offers. um it was pretty pretty incredible to see the reaction they were getting not only in the media but but at home as well
1: that's amazing i get excited when one of the partnerships that we've delivered comes to life and i can call my (laughs) mum and go check it out i can't imagine how that feels when you've designed a formula one (laughs) car and it's all over the press that's insane
2: but it was also it it was funny seeing the the actual like uh, race start sorry and um everyone was very nervous that the the cars would finish the race um and also finish in p1 um didn't really want to be I guess the 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 unlucky curse that uh that meant the no. car didn't didn't win the race. But fortunately it was a pretty successful year. And all the um yeah, all the special liveries we did finished in P1, which was a, mm. a great result. And I think all the winners who designed the cars were, were completely relieved by that as well.
1: Yeah, I bet, right. Gosh, yes, I hadn't even thought of that. Of course, you don't want to be the jinx, do you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Where are the cars now? Have they kept deliveries? Are they did they get I mean presumably they didn't get to take the car home with them?
2: (laughs) (laughs) They don't. I mean, they can get a a mini replica model, but I think they're like one to forty-three size. Like they're pretty small. Um but no, the actual cars, they it's a good question. I actually have no idea. I mean, we'll we have, have stat- we yeah we have static show cars which which are used at events that don't have an engine in them, and there are a few of those around in the US, I think. But um, yeah, I'm not not sure with the actual cars. I think that's already in the uh, the the pack down for for next year's races.
1: <laughs> yeah, before the next season starts again. Exactly. I mean, that emotional connection is unreal, right? A a brand that they love, a program that they love, and then an experience like that. But, you know, a lot of programs really struggle with building that kind of emotional connection. And a lot of the people that we interview on the Let's Talk Loyalty podcast, a lot of people that we work with at Mando Connect, you know, that's their number one thing. How do I actually build an emotional connection with my audience over the kind of the transactional nature of the relationship? So I'm guessing that in Formula One, building the emotional connection isn't necessarily as much of a... A challenge, but is it still a focus for the program, or, or is it more about something else?
2: No, I, th- I think that's a, a huge part of what we're trying to achieve here. Um, for two reasons, I think a lot of fans tend to follow drivers and not teams as well. Um, so, as part of offering the paddock and our digital experience, we want to turn those fans. Who potentially might follow a driver into fans of the team. So that they're, they're kind of building this richer emotional connection through these digital experiences and, and and sticking with us in the long run. So I think that is an important part of what we're doing. But I also think a lot of our fans don't actually attend the races. Um they the races might not be in their country or potentially it's, it's too expensive or for whatever whatever reason. Um so what we're trying to do is is bridge the gap for them um to deliver an experience that makes them feel like they're just as much as part of this team, if they're at the race or at home, watching on TV, that that kind of by engaging with us and being a part of the loyalty programme, they're really kind of part of part of our team and the success that we experience.
1: And what kind of things would would you specifically be doing again? Because a lot of people, I'm hoping as they listen to this podcast, we're going to go and join the program and find out more about it. But some some might not be members. (laughs) What kind of things do they actually get and do to bring them closer? How do you you bring the fan that will never go to a race um, into into the world of Red Bull Oracle Racing?
2: Um, It is a challenge at times, to be honest. I think we are trying to give different rewards, different experiences, um, that that actually make a difference um, as well as give them decisions and aspects for the team that, that actually make a difference and important to us. Um, so I say that as an example um, for the Austin Make Your Mark event um, when we were revealing the car, we gave our loyalty members the chance to attend that reveal event. So that was at Oracle HQ. It was an amazing event. We had food, we had drinks, we had giveaways. And we had max christian and, and Checo all speaking at the event and that was predominantly made up by members of the paddock so over 200 people were, were invited down it was amazing to meet a lot of them in person and, and chat to them but um it's really giving them access to events that probably they wouldn't really get a chance to experience normally um and it means that even if you're not going to the race you can feel like it's, it's part of the race lead up part of the race week that kind of thing um and i think secondly We do try to give, I guess, decision making as much as we possibly can to our fans. So for the, the fan liveries this year for Austin and for Las Vegas, we actually put the decision, um, and we gave them the power to make the decision. So by voting on their favorite livery within the paddock, they were able to select the one that we actually ran for the race. Um, so we don't always do that, but it's trying to, to really make them feel involved. Part of it, part of decision-making that is genuinely important for us. Um. It might sound like that's like a, a a small thing, but like having a say on delivery is incredibly important, not from just like a design perspective, but things like what, what weight will it come to, the different colors that are used because of that. Like That actually makes a big difference to us. So we're really trying to give them experiences that they wouldn't get elsewhere and bring them into decision making as well.
1: Yeah, I think that power and control that you're giving fans really comes out from the programme actually because a lot of programmes just go one way. It's the loyalty programme centrally issuing stuff to members and sharing with members. And, you know, five years ago, people would put a sort of a discussion forum on the back of their loyalty (laughs) programme and think that they had two-way discussion kind of covered. But I think that really stands out about the panel, the fact that you're asking, actively asking fans for their opinions and actively giving them control over, you know, what could be a very big brand decision. And, you know what the car looks like i think that's really cool sure. and, and then what about the sort of the need to keep people regularly engaged now again if we compare formula one to something like a utility company where you've perhaps got one major engagement a year yep. or telecommunications where it's you know every sort of 18 to 24 months you have a lot more kind of regular contact points for all the races throughout the year but how do you keep hmm. them engaged sort of above and beyond
2: the races um I think, as you said, there's not really much downtime within Formula 1. Um, so whilst the season's going on, um, there's not really too many times that we're worried about them not being engaged. Um, yeah. We're we'll always putting um, content live, quizzes live, things they could read, get involved with live. So that's not really ever the worry. Um, but I think what we try to do within the loyalty program itself, we try to to mirror how the season goes. So with in december and january um the sport or a large part of the sport tends to to have a little bit of a holiday a little bit of downtime and we try to mirror that with the loyalty program itself as well um we find that fans get a little bit of season fatigue um so we see (laughs) our engagement and our kind of like visits to the program um decrease as the year go on um so we we try and mirror that a little bit and give them time to recharge um and once we're back in the new year um our season tends to start with our season launch where we launch the, the new car and get ready for pre-season testing. And that happens at the start of February or towards the start of February normally. So it's not too much downtime. We tend to to give fans the chance to to have a little bit of peace and quiet during that time. And then as soon as February starts, there's a whole host of opportunities for, for ourselves for fan engagement during February, March, before the races properly kick off. Um, and we start ramping up again then fully.
1: that's a really interesting way of managing cadence, actually, because we see a lot of programs, particularly during the lockdowns period, where actually brands were really yep. struggling to connect. Actually, the loyalty program became the primary vehicle to actually talk sure. to their audience. So it's interesting. That you've actually taken a strategic decision to almost go the opposite way, to mimic the season and mimic the passion and, and then give them that downtime. I bet there's a lot of people listening going, hey, I wonder how that could apply to my <laughs> business, because actually that's... um. Yeah, that's quite a rule breaker for the industry, actually. That's very cool.
2: Well, I, th- I think as well, we, we tend to see people who are on holiday as well, that kind of thing. So there's fewer people in the business, so it is harder to to keep things, um, I guess, keep keep things running during that time. And there isn't things like races to to be talking about the whole time. So there's there's less opportunities to promote things like activities to earn points to redeem rewards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we're kind of conscious that that January just tends to be. Quiet time for us.
1: Yeah, it's quite an authentic way of doing it. And I think that's really important to, to members across the globe, actually. That's sort of that genuine approach rather than artificially trying to create things in a downtime mm-hmm. to create stories. They probably do appreciate the break. That's made me think, actually. I'm like, oh, what <laughs> programs do I work on where actually that could apply? <laughs> Other sort of trends and things you're seeing in in loyalty and fan engagement in sports? Because it feels very much like actually, you know, fan engagement has learned from loyalty and brought a program in. But what could loyalty learn from that? You know, what sort of trends and stuff are you seeing in in your space?
2: Um, I think a lot of different sports teams are starting to see the benefits of having a loyalty program itself um, and probably haven't traditionally had them. I think they see the benefits of probably growing a larger database in terms of being able to connect with fans more regularly but also I guess what that looks like to potential partners and prospects um, they want to partner with teams who have a big database of fans that so they can kind of communicate and talk to them as well um, so teams are seeing a lot of those benefits and I've spoken to teams within sports who have um, apps but haven't really explored and investigated loyalty within that so they have apps which have great content offerings like great articles newsletters but but their kind of registration aspect is quite is quite light, um, yeah. and they're a bit of ahead, of ahead of the curve in terms of their their digital platforms. But they don't have that kind of loyalty offering. Um, and other F one teams have mobile apps, and I think are still building their loyalty platforms out as well. So I think teams are seeing the benefits to it and are moving into the space. And I think it will pick up um, it will pick up quite quickly over the next year or two.
1: Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing that. It feels like every time you check in, actually, there's a new team expanding with some new features um, mm-hmm. and some new developments. So, yeah, I reckon if we recorded this in three years' time, actually, you might not be such a unique programme because actually so yeah, many of it. those other kind of sports regager <laughs> programmes are catching up. But you'll always be first, which is we're, very we're
2: important. Just, yeah, stay ahead of the curve. That's, yeah, yeah that's exactly. The idea.
1: And keep innovating. And I know that's a big part of the culture anyway. I mean, yeah. how important is the paddock at Red Bull? I mean, I can only imagine the sort of you know the prioritization list um where do you sit and you know how how you've already talked about business alignment and actually everyone working together to deliver stuff but how important is the program
2: i think it's really important especially within marketing itself um so for two reasons i'll say the first um the paddock is powered by oracle technology um crowd and as the the benefits of having a successful loyalty program are shown and, and the 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 program grows and we have these events and these campaigns, it shows how important our partnership with Oracle actually is and they're our title title partner and it's a, a really important metric for our team to show how successful that partnership is. So from that perspective, the loyalty program is seen as one of the key pillars for for that. Um yeah. so I think that itself really helps drive the importance. And I think Within marketing, most people understand the the benefits of having it as well. Having that that database, we can speak to um, that that prospective partners and, and and clients would like to speak about and understand. I guess what information we have on our um, our database, like where fans are sit sat, um, all that kind of thing. So, I think the importance is it, it, growing. Um, it's really known in marketing, but I guess the wider business we're we're probably um, on a mission to to spread the the word for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a common challenge across loyalty. Let alone when half the team are flying all over the world and uh, and focused very much on the race calendar. And- yeah growth we've talked about a lot actually and how quickly the program has grown but growth Mm -hmm. in itself is an opportunity and a brilliant achievement but it can also cause some challenges you know what are some of the challenges that you know the program has faced since it's been there or you know in in the time since you've been working so closely on it and and what did you do to fix them
2: um i think it's uh, one of the challenges we saw this year is something that, that you mentioned towards the start around the tiers that we have and it's a little bit unfortunate because it was a challenge that arose pretty much as soon as I started looking at it at the start <laughs> of the year, um, which is quite classic. But, uh, the fact that we have a tiered loyalty program, um, and as I said, if you're really, really engaged, you'll hit that top VIP tier after about a year means that we launch in uh, the end of 2021. So towards the, the start of this year end of last year, um, we started seeing more and more users hitting that top tier of our loyalty program, but really only have a limited supply of benefits that we can offer them or, or merchandise. We're, we're not a, yeah, we don't have a, a, ne- a never ending supply of merchandise. Um, so we had an issue where the, we had a ballooning top tier of yeah. of, of the members, the um, limited supply of benefits, but we wanted to keep them happy and engaged. So I tried to think of something that was. I guess, scalable and wouldn't break the bank and pretty much was free. So at the start of this year, I set up a Discord channel um, for the VIP tiers, uh, which I'm in myself as the paddock, so it's mm-hmm. not not my face or anything like that, but our, our logo. Um, but I, I set this up as an exclusive channel for everyone within the loyalty program who hit that top tier um, to be able to enter. And it's been an unbelievable success. Um, it's given them a channel to discuss all things F1 and the paddock um, because there wasn't really that kind of like community forum aspect yeah. within the paddock itself. So this gave people like a a chance to actually engage with different members and speak to each other um, and all all done pretty respectfully, to be honest. Um, mm. I was a bit worried about that. <laughs> but it's also given me real-time user feedback as well from our most engaged fans. And that's probably, from my perspective, being one of the most valuable things that like we – we put a new feature live or we put a new competition or campaign live and within minutes if something's wrong with it we'll be told Um, (laughs) and that's incredible to have but not only that we have um for example our website team are looking to develop a new website for example they um they want to get some user feedback and and survey some of our fans and i can literally go to that group of people and say would anyone like to take part of this um we might have a like a mini helmet for you as a reward Mm -hmm. after that kind of thing. Um, And there'll be always more than 10, 20 people who are like putting their hands up. And that's something you normally have to go out and pay for, right? In terms of getting user feedback. Um, So it's been amazing for that. But I think given it's now coming up to over two years old, the program, we're probably going to run into a similar issue soon of uh, the number of that Discord channel expanding Mm -hmm. and being (laughs) like, okay, how do we keep them happy now because there's so many of them and it's a a never-ending problem but um it's a, a good problem to have
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting problem and a brilliant solution. You'll be horrified to know that um, one of the brands that did that first and best in the industry is Marks & Spencers. They used to have Meet the Manager events for their top tier before Sparks was relaunched. And it was one of the most popular um, things that they could do. And actually, I feel like you're taking the 21st century version of that, actually, and taking it out to the fans. But I love that you've baked the program benefit into it as well. I mean, you've effectively got an expert panel of people that you can test things with and develop and, and we all know how important that is in loyalty and again it's, yeah. a, it's another really great example I think you've got of genuinely asking the fans and involving them and giving them yeah. control not just sort of constantly push, push, push or if any listeners have got any good ideas for Elliot and in, um, in what he can do as that develops please message him we'll share his contact details at the, <laughs> end, the end and I'm sure that some of you listening are already on the Discord channel um, is that the most important lesson you've learned since you've been working on the paddock or are there other things that have stood out too? Um
2: I think that's probably one of the, the the most important challenges we've had this year. I think just personally I've I've learned that I've had to be really, really flexible in terms of working in loyalty and within Formula One. Um I think I said towards the start, no one week is really the same within Formula One. Yeah. Whilst you're working towards a roadmap of implementing new features or a new campaign or new projects, an issue might might crop up that's related to a race, for example, and have to change your priorities and the the team starts focusing on a completely different aspect and that might be your focus but it might not be in it but it might be the people you're depending on so you have to think on your feet and i think it's it's important from my perspective to not lose sight of the the long-term plans and goals even if week to week it might It might be impacted.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that bigger brand More more often
2: than not, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's always key. Yeah, Yeah. in such a fast-moving industry, I imagine you get a lot of calls on a Monday going, oh, we're doing this now. (laughs) (laughs) Or sometimes maybe you don't get the call, maybe you have to see it happening and then pivot and and change direction. Um, What about overall success? As you've said, you know, the program is now two years old. I'm guessing you're constantly kind of looking at strategy and planning for the program. What does success look like? What sort of KPIs are you looking at at this point in the life cycle?
2: This has been something that's, um, yeah, it's been cropping up a lot recently um, because for the past two years, success has primarily been measured by membership growth to the point where our main target this year, for example, was to um, double our membership database um, in size, which hasn't been an easy feat at all. Um, So it's it's meant (laughs) all hands on deck focusing towards that. we have been tracking engagement on the program too. So things like monthly active users, daily users, that kind of stuff. But to be honest, it's mainly been membership and trying to grow as, we, as we've as we started out and, and try to kind of like find our feet and, and build our name within yeah. loyalty itself. But going forward, um, I really want to put more of a focus on engagement um, and have it. I mean, I think internally here at the business, it might never be as important as as database size and membership size but i want it to get to that level um because fundamentally it's it's all amazing having a, a big database but you want a, a a database of people who are regularly signing in and regularly engaging so in 2024 i think we're going to be tracking membership size our engagement primarily um and then also starting to look at revenue um yeah. the paddocks a free loyalty program we're not going to start charging for that but how can we look at um improving our revenue for the team through the paddock, looking at things like merchandise, um, I guess that would be relative only for the, the paddock or specific ranges, lines, that kind of stuff that only they can they can buy. Um, ideas like that that we probably want to start promoting a bit more.
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing that across the industry actually, a real drive in sort of 2024 and 2025 to work the programs as smartly as possible. So to sort of measure the business case, measure the member engagement, but then actually bring in incremental revenue in a credible way that engages members to then fuel the rewards that you can then put into the program. So therefore creating, I always talk about it with our clients as a a fantastic sort of virtuous circle. You bring more money Mm -hmm. in so you can invest more back and that helps you save your your, uh, top tier problems and things like that. That, Exactly, yeah. You're not alone in that challenge.
0: That's great. (laughs) That's good to Um, hear.
1: And what about kind of communicating internally your program as well? Because I guess the business case is something you get asked about a lot, as well as, you know, what you're up to. How do you communicate across Red Bull and and Oracle internally what's happening?
2: So, our team, fan engagement, um, we tend to give regular updates on our KPIs and our growth to to senior leadership. Um, So, as I said, that will be things like membership growth. Uh, At the end of the year, we'll look at how engaged our fans were, all that kind of stuff. So, We tend to communicate those sort of stats at a relatively high level um Mm -hmm. and then we leave more of the fun updates to our wider kind of marketing and communications team in our regular team meetings so um yeah those would be the kind of what's gone well in the past week or month or so so things are updating about our car reveal the the las vegas nightclub called omnia that we did um last month i was gonna say this month but yeah last month (laughs) um the the more exciting updates and things that are are more brand and marketing focused, I'd say. But we also like to, we we shout about our successes. So if we throw in a a great fan event through the paddock and we've had positive feedback, um, we like to share that with the wider marketing team because it is easy to get, I guess, lost in stats and figures. And we have an email uh, inbox that, that fans are aware of and that they'll email in. So I know I spoke about that Austin event we threw in and Oracle HQ but after that we had I think three or four fans in to email to say thanks but also say how like genuinely how amazing of an event it was but how important it was for them as well to feel part of the team and and be there to experience it and, and get access to to the drivers and Christian as well um so we like to shout about those. So I did a, a little bit of a shameless email to, to the wider marketing team with with a few of the quoted um, emails that we'd received. Um, just 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 trying to remind people that I guess at the end of the day for us, the, the stats and KPIs and communicating about them are important. But also to remember that these are the fans at the end of the day and they, they drive the, the support on the team
1: yeah and i think that's why well i hope why most people are in loyalty as well it's when you can kind of create brilliant little moments for your members that actually mean something and a lot of programs are, are you know you probably you, we started the podcast talking about tesco you love getting your savvy little deal on the way yep. is but yeah you know, that's one level of an emotional experience right up to oh my god you know i've been to the hq and actually seen the kind of car reveal at the other mm. end so yeah mm. it's really nice isn't it when you can kind of humanize the stories we love an yep. infographic, but. I I also love a kind of a real, you know, a kind of Vox Pops. Um, we yeah. always try and do the two together. I think it, um <laughs> lovely to see the hard numbers, but it is, it's the real stories that matter. Yeah. Um, and as we move to the close of the podcast, is there anything else you think we should share with our listeners? Or do you feel you've covered the highlights of the paddock?
2: I think I've covered the highlights of it. I'd say, I'd say sign up, um, and have a go next year um, we we have loads of fun activities that you can get involved with if you're an F1 fan I think we're, we're going to try and make a push as well to to start creating uh, more exclusive and better content for the paddock next year as well um, nice. because as, as Oracle Racing we we create a lot of amazing content and that's a, a lot of a lot of the brand work we do um, so that there'll be a lot of stuff next year to be getting involved with um, so i say get involved with that I think, um, as well, when I saw this question, I was thinking, is there anything else I'd like to share? And I was yeah. trying to, trying to think of something that didn't sound like I was preaching. <laughs> 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 but for me, I found that having worked in banking and then, and then getting the job offer to come to work at a marketing team within formula one, it was quite nerve wracking to make that switch. Um, but I think it's worth whilst you can, or if you can, um, to to kind of roll the dice with potential jobs um and and take a risk with it um for me it's been an incredible experience and i loved my my background in banking but i haven't looked back in terms of working within marketing working within loyalty and it's given me some incredible stories incredible campaigns like incredible people to work with and i've gotten to go to a few of the races this year most recently in las vegas and it's just been an incredible time and that wouldn't have happened if i didn't roll the dice with going for a job I didn't think I'd be able to get (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's uh, great advice
1: it's not preachy at all I think there's loads of Again, I think we talked about it before, but one of the wonderful things about loyalty is that people come to it from so many different disciplines, you know, from finance, from research, from, you know, data, from CRM, from advertising. And uh, I think what we all have in common is that that love of the kind of the fan engagement. And I think that's pretty awesome. I think roll the dice is a really lovely bit of advice. Go for it, people, particularly at this time of year. It's time exactly. to start fresh. And I'm sure people are going to listen. I'm sure everyone's going to um, join the paddock. You'll probably see us surge in loyalty people as um, as this That's good. podcast gets published. Yeah, we'll be loyalty <laughs> people kind of checking in, seeing what's happening. Um how can people reach out to you if they have more questions? We'll obviously we'll put your details um in the notes, but um how should they get in touch?
2: Yeah, just drop me a message on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. Um, I'd love to chat with more people in the industry. Um, I'm still, as I said, relatively new to it. So I'm sure I've probably got more to learn from the listeners than than they do from me. But uh, yeah, I'd love to, just to connect with more people and, and hear about their experiences too.
1: Brilliant. Well, look, thank you ever so much for today. You've been a brilliant guest. It's an awesome program. I think we in loyalty have got a lot to learn from fan engagement and probably vice versa. So <laughs> thank you ever so much for your time today. And we'll see you again soon, I hope.
2: Amazing. appreciate the time.
0: The Australian Loyalty Association is proud to bring you the Asia-Pacific Loyalty Awards to celebrate excellence, innovation and best practice in the thriving loyalty industry across the region tickets are now available for the awards gala event taking place on the 14th of march 2024 at the glasshouse melbourne australia book your ticket or table at australian loyalty association.com Thanks again for supporting the show.